0: Hi, it's Joanna Oka here and welcome back to The Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we're stirring things up a bit with another of our special segments. It's time for another thrilling episode of Ask Me Anything. (laughs) Now, um, if you're new to the Deal Room podcast, let me give you a quick rundown. Our Ask Me Anything segment is where I dive into the questions that you our incredible listeners, send in. And not just your questions, we also feature queries from our fabulous guests and those interesting nuggets we encounter during our day-to-day practice. So here's your chance to have your burning questions answered. Email us at podcast at aspectlegal.com. We're eagerly awaiting your queries. And don't worry, you'll find the link in the show notes to that for easy access as well. So look, don't hold back. We're open to talking about anything and everything on this podcast. So buckle in because it's time for another thrilling edition of Ask Me Anything. Okay, David, welcome along to the Ask Me Anything section. This is where you get to ask me something. Okay, so, David, what did you come um, with today? Throw it at me.
1: All right, let's see if I can stump you there.
0: Give it a go. (laughs) Let's see. Let's
1: see. (laughs) Um, Firstly, you know, what we've encountered sometimes in business sales, we get all the way to settlement day or the day before settlement and the stock take is done. And lo and behold, the stock comes in at a massive figure that is way beyond what either the buyer or seller had been expecting. And the the buyer hadn't budgeted even for such a big number. And, you know, it's just not possible to to actually settle on that number. Have, Have you got any tips on how one could try and get around that roadblock?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, obviously, but it, right in the beginning, it begins with preparation. Sellers should do everything that they can to ensure that they have a really clear, um, uh, you know, understanding of the stock levels. And that all comes back to systems and processes, you know, in a, obviously the system of, um, stock, um, keeping stock records and doing regular stock takes and having done a stock take before sale is really important so that you know what you're dealing with and you've got records in your system that are doing the work rather than you having to, you know, regularly do counts to work out what your stock is. But that having been, you know, let's put that to the side. If, say, for example, there's been an issue with the preparation that hasn't been done or, or whatever, what do we do within care? And sorry, just one other thing I would say, um, also dealing with it at contract stage, it's good to deal with it at contract stage for a buyer if you're looking at it from a buyer perspective to ensure that you've got a maximum stock price that you don't that you're not required to to buy above. And for sellers, it's making sure that that there's at least, a, um, you know, an agreement as to uh, the amount that a seller, a buyer, sorry, is willing to buy. So all of that should be dealt with up front and in the contract. But if you get to Stock Take Day and the reality is there's a hell of a lot more stock than um, than anyone had anticipated and, de- and, you know, dealt with in the contract, so I guess you've got um, a number of options. It depends the quality of the stock because if there's damaged stock, obsolete stock, stock that isn't going to sell – you know, essentially it's probably fairly fair for a buyer to be pushing back on that sort of stock or requiring some sort of heavy discount. Of course, from a seller's perspective, usually they're in the position that they've got no one else to flog this stock off to. So, you know, they want it sold at the point of sale. They want to liquidate it in some way, shape or form and take their bucks away. Um, but, but if if we're looking for creative solutions, I've actually seen lots and news, lots and lots of different creative solutions. So some of the ways that we might deal with it is, you, you know, we deal with the stock that's been agreed and then any of the overflow stock, assuming it's good and saleable stock and it's not, you know, too old, um, is uh, some way once, um, or in many instances, I've used a consignment approach where we say, okay, well... We will will effectively leave these additional this additional st- stock with you on assignment, and there's going to be an agreement that you'll sell the consignment stock um, in advance of selling any of the other stocks so that you and then we have you know a monthly reporting. But of course, along with that comes the requirement that there's some sort of management of the uh, of the stock. Um, counting and sale process within that, because of course you need to know what stocks moved, so that you can then report on it. Um, you know, so that the buyer can report on it to the seller, and that the seller is paid for that consignment stock that's been sold. So that's one approach. Um, uh, another approach is is obviously that the seller finds someone else to sell the excess stock to. But as we all know, that um, that is easier talked about than done in many 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 instances. Depending on how specialized. Um, the stock is. Um, sometimes we use uh, vendor financing components, So it might just be, well, we agree on the certain stock that's there. You pay buyer for what you've agreed um, in advance, but the, 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 fo- the remainder components, rather than being on consignment, it, it is. and consignment, of course, means that the um, seller isn't paid unless that stock is cleared, Alternatively, we might just say, okay, well, that, that is now a loan from us that you must pay buyer, but here's the payment arrangements for that on the understanding that you may not have finance, um, for that or the funds for that at completion because he hadn't budgeted, um, for that. And sometimes what we'll see is a discount on that additional stock because you, you know, it, um, sometimes that cost of holding that stock, um, you know, sort of whittles away the, um, you, you know, the, the, I, I guess the value of the stock as well. So they're things that I've seen. What else have you seen, David? I'm interested in approaches you've used.
1: Well, um, it's interesting because uh, I've often actually brought up that idea of the consignment and for some reason or other, people seem to have been more resistant and they, but they've worked out something similar. So it's more like your second scenario. Um, where the stock is taken in over maybe three or four months at, at a certain amount per month, so um, essentially they would have had to buy it from suppliers over that time anyway. So um, that vendor becomes the supplier, I guess. So, you know, um, but it's just it's not dependent on a stock take; it's just the amounts divided up.
0: I like the consignment approach, but it has it has it has issues if there's not. Uh, Sufficient um, checks and measures in the business to be able to easily record, you know, work out what that um, what the stock movement has been in a particular month that then leads to the payment. So in those sorts of businesses, you probably really are left with that second approach that I talked about.
1: But I I like the consignment because, as well, in theory, because the ownership of of the stock is with the um, with the vendor. So. That that sorts out a, a security issue for the, the loan.
0: Absolutely, hundred percent, absolutely, and that is actually the driving force sometimes for using the consignment um, approach. Yeah, absolutely, because title remains with the um, w- with the seller. Brilliant. Well, that's Doc, and we have room for one more Ask Me Anything. So did you come uh, with anything here else, David, that you wanted to, uh, to test me on?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we, because we're talking about industrial businesses again, so manufacturing, um, up pops the issue of work in progress. Um, so in my experience, work in progress is a very, um, you know, it's a hard to nail down, um value you know how do you value work in progress um in the sale and so you know how how you think that should be dealt with in terms of the contract and setting rules for the the valuation of the work in progress um yeah and the process
0: oh look that it work in progress can be a really tricky one and not not just for um businesses that relate to goods, so where work in progress relates to the goods themselves but also service-based business because WIP is also an issue um, in service-based businesses wherever you have a part supplied service um, at the point of completion. And it is, it's just always this, in each instance, it's about sitting down and understanding how the business works, uh, where the costs have occurred and when the, when the, um, when the revenue is realized, uh, because some of those in some businesses, that is not a straightforward thing. So there may be milestone payments or there might be part delivery. There might be in some businesses, there's. There's um, there's a clear revenue point, i.e., you know, for manufacturing, the goods have been manufactured and delivered, and that's the revenue point. But at this point of completion, we have part um, partly manufactured goods, and, of course, that is a um, that, that can be a whole headache in and of itself. I don't think I've got any hard and fast rules other than we just sit down and we have to work out the mechanics for each deal on the basis of how – how um, how the business actually works and what their expense and revenue sort of milestones look like. Um, and sometimes, you know, in some business sales, it's really about us coming up with, well, here's the metrics and let's just estimate what, it's likely to be you know just just before the point sometimes it's just easier to set a dollar figure you know rather than trying to work out a complex formula sometimes you need a formula um you know so that's uh, i unfortunately i don't have an absolute answer for you here david it really is something that we have to work through on a um you know on a business by business basis
1: how about you what tips do you have here um well what i've seen and what the approach I often use is to say um to the to both parties look that it's not an exact science, and there's going to be need to be a little bit of common sense negotiation around the table so you might sort of sit down on uh, on settlement day and hopefully it's there only two or three jobs that are actually stuck in work in progress phase and then you'd sort of say to them okay let's try and work out percentage wise of this job you know um." Somebody might have ordered some materials and started to assemble something, but it's still got to have this assembly completed. And then it's got to be, um, painted and, and then shipped and delivered. So where is it? And approximately what percentage of the input has been put in by the seller and what percentage of that job has been done by, will have to be done by the buyer. So then one might say, okay, the vendor's put in. 50% of that, so they'll get 50% of the invoice value and then the buyer will then collect the rest of it, the whole thing. So 50% belongs to the buyer. So, um, And then they've just worked through each of the jobs on the table because it's you can't get precision on that, you know. It's it's not exact. Um, the, the, other, the other thing that I have seen is where people have set some rules um, prior to settlement where they've said, okay, if a job – um, has the vendor's actually got the order and, um, they've, they haven't started production, then nothing's paid because the buyer expects to get some, some goods, uh, some jobs. If they've um, started the job, it might be 50%. If they've completed the job, but it's still going to be dispatched, they might say 90% belongs to the, the vendor and 10% to the buyer because they've still got to, Pick and pack and order the courier and so on and send that out. Um, yep. So, and then yeah, just apply the rule at settlement. So, based on what this is, but uh, yeah, it's not, not as you say, it's got to be tailor made to each deal really and each business. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And you know, and, and sometimes we see issues come to the fore if, um, you know, if the parties haven't early enough in the piece thought about. Um, the inter interplay in all of that of things like customer deposits or prepaid expenses or post-completion required expenses um, that, you know, hadn't initially been thought about by the by. So there are, you know, it's just really important to work each of that each of those areas through with a little bit of thought as to what it will actually look like when you're trying to work it out on completion day because you certainly don't want to leave it to completion day to work out the mechanics of how that's going to work (laughs) because I can tell you that shorter ending arguments. Well, that's it for this episode of The Deal Room Podcast. We hope you're now primed for your next deal with these pointers and have enjoyed these fascinating insights. Now, if you'd like more information about this topic, then head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com where you'll be able to download a transcript of this episode, as well as access any contact details and any other additional information we referred to in today's podcast. Now, if you'd like to get in contact with our guests today and the services they offer, you can go ahead and check out our show notes for a link right through to them and their details. You can also book in directly with our Legal Eagles at Aspect Legal if you'd like to soundboard your next steps, discuss a legal question, or find out more how we can assist, whether that's with buying or selling a business, or perhaps somewhere in between. Now, don't forget to subscribe to The Deal Room Podcast on your favorite podcast player to get notifications whenever a new episode is out. We'd also love to hear your feedback, so please leave us a review and rating if you're already one of our subscribers, or even if you're listening to this podcast for the very first time. Every review helps our team produce valuable content for you. Well, thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time.